and welcome to today's FYI episode, Strategic Communications to Engage, engage Your Audiences in the Year Ahead. I'm Mike Kuczynski. Normally, Greg Bauk would be with me. He is on a well-deserved um, vacation, but thank you for joining us today. We talked about the episode today being Strategic Communications to Engage Your Audience in the Year Ahead. So we are the makers of Cadence, Higher Education's premier engagement uh, platform, and we brought two of our uh, senior client success leads, Lena and Jen, uh, Lena Militello and Jen D. Thorne, uh, as guests today to talk about how you should plan. So we know that this is a month for planning. Uh, this is a month to uh, to start to think about the uh, the academic year that is very quickly approaching. So we're very excited to have them on. So um, again, thank you for your comments. I see in the chat that's fantastic. And uh, yeah, Lena and Jen, why don't you introduce yourselves and and tell us why you are uh, the experts we brought in today. Thanks so much, Mike. Hi, everyone. My name is Lena Militello, and as Mike mentioned, I'm a senior client success lead here at Mongoose. I've been an official member of the Mongoose team for just about four years. My four-year anniversary is coming up this November. Um, prior to that, I was in your shoes, so to speak, not that long ago. I spent almost five years uh, working within higher education. I worked primarily in enrollment management services, but did spend some time in student retention. I specialized uh, specifically uh, with working with what is considered more of a non-traditional student. So adult learners, 100% online learners, transfer students, hybrid learners, and also those students who needed more assistance when it came to retention. I'm a proud first-generation student myself, go us. So working with first-gen students, students uh, with uh, needs uh, in terms of accessibility, as well as uh, TRIO, SSS, HEOP, that's really where my heart is. I'm Buffalo born and raised, go Bills. I think we're required to say that. It's on all of our certificates <laughs> if we're from here. Uh, and I received both my bachelor's and my master's in communication disorders and sciences from SUNY Buffalo. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, everybody. Jen Deathorn, um, like Mike was saying. Um, I started on the Mongoose team um, super recent in March of 2022. Um, so I've been here for a couple of months as just a client success lead. Um, similar to Lena, we have really similar backgrounds. Um, I am also Western New York native. Um, I'm a graduate of Niagara University, um, as well as Slippery Rock University, where I received my master's in student affairs and higher education. Um, I worked throughout all current student use case during my tenure um, in higher ed. I worked student affairs, academic advising, Primarily housing and residence life. I was a live-in for a very long time, and my husband always likes to comment about that when uh, when he can and all of his fun experiences. Uh, most recently, I was in student activities. I did some student conduct here and there, um, and both Lena and I were active Cadence users before we actually came to the Mongoose crew, um, which is kind of fun and exciting. So similar to what Lena was saying, you know, we've been in your shoes before too. We worked with students as well, and we've also been texting um, right alongside y'all. Excited to be here. Excited to have the conversation today. Great. We're pumped to have you. And uh, yeah, we'll jump right in. So as institutions plan for the year ahead and engaging audiences via, via text, chat, emails, et cetera, um, what would be your guiding principles? Sure. So um, I went to a really great presentation not too long ago. Um, we were at the RNL conference 
Um, and it was a really great reminder sitting through this presentation talking about first generation students and their communication wants and needs um, that when they compared what first generation families were saying in comparison to continuing ed families, both of them actually wanted the same information and the same volume of information. And so I really think, you know, going with the perspective of people really don't know what they don't know. Yes, their families may be continuing ed. Yes, um, they may have went to college before or taken a couple of college classes, but they maybe have never been to your institution before. Um, they probably don't know your specific policies and procedures. And so kind of putting on that lens of if I've never been through this process before, what do I need to know? Uh, maybe they're not going to understand all the different acronyms or office lingo that you use in and out. And so kind of approaching it as new, fresh eyes every single time, you know, you're crafting anything, whether it be an email thread, um, something for your website, text message that's going out, all those pieces. Yeah, that, that is so true. That is really true. You know, people just simply don't know what, what they do don't know. And I think especially when it comes to the current climate that we're in, you know, talking with a lot of the partners that we work with daily, we know how important these timelines and having a call to action and stressing levels of urgency uh, needs to be sort of throughout all of our communication. Um, that is for, for those first gen students that those are for your returning students. You know, we know that um, this generation in, in particular uh, tend to delay a little bit longer. I'm hearing a lot of trends that uh, even comparing pre-COVID uh, communication timelines, uh, it doesn't matter if you have rolling admission uh, deadlines, it doesn't matter if you're extending uh, and offering some of that latitude, that these, um, these sets of students are just taking longer to confirm their spot. They're taking longer to, to communicate their decisions, uh, taking longer to register for classes. So I think having and stressing uh, the timeline aspect with levels of urgency peppered throughout your communication is just going to make sure everyone's on the same page and, and kept a sort of level playing field. Very good. So I've heard you use the phrase, uh, don't know what you don't know. Um, and I've heard you talk about being against uh, acronyms, which uh, I'm AA, I'm anti-acronym as well. Um, <laughs> how do you know, how do you identify what students might not know, like without making uh, assumptions? Is there a way to kind of test that? Go back to what your frequently asked questions are. You know what questions you're going to always get in your office or that always come through um, via phone calls after you send out that mass email message to folks um, and kind of take that as a head start or, you know, again, having other individuals, if you have colleagues um, that are in similar roles and other at other institutions, maybe have them breeze through and look over. I know we're all overworked at this time. Yeah. Higher ed is not short of staff uh, or is short of staff at the moment. Um, and, you know, everyone's got time, but I think that's, that's, something, you know, utilize your audience and, and kind of pass those along to, to make sure other eyes are on the communication you're sending out, making sure it looks polished and overly explain anything that you may think sounds simple, but could then, uh, you know, be misconstrued. And it doesn't hurt to ask, you know, to, to be honest, it's, it's important to, again, not make those assumptions. So if you are in a situation, for example, where you're helping a student through the financial aid process, 
process. We know that there is a lot of process associated with that that takes a lot to get through and, and to make sure that students and their parents or guardians are on the, on the right track. You, you never want to make those assumptions that they've been through this process before, that they understand what a FAFSA is, how to apply for one, where to go. Uh, it's very- What FAFSA even stands for. Exactly what FAFSA even stands for. pronunciation so, yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that too, the, the FAFSA. Uh, I was guilty of saying that uh, from time to time. So yeah, it's very important. If you're not sure, ask. And there's no, no harm in doing that whatsoever. And if you're really laser focused on developing a positive working relationship with these students and with their families, then you should be cultivating an environment where you can ask questions just as much as they can. Yeah. And I know that, you know, it's something that Lena and I talk a lot about with clients all the time is you know, when you're sending out these these important memos or important information to students, you're doing it in multiple ways, right? You're probably sending an email, posting on your website, following up with a text, maybe even a social media post. Um, And I think, you know, at least for us, when it comes to texting, you know, we'll say back and forth, you know, letting clients know it's completely appropriate to use them all in tandem, right? And so after the email is sent, maybe have that follow-up of, hey, we just sent this really long email with this important information. I'm here if you have any immediate questions over text message, like, let me know how I can assist you. So just opening that, opening that line of communication so that you can answer whatever those um, frequently asked questions are. Have you found that some institutions or clients without shaming them, naming names, um, sometimes might use texting as emails inadvertently? Have you seen that happen much? I have seen that from time to time. Um, And I think that's where a lot of the continuous follow-up that we often suggest to students do that kind of falls by the wayside, Um, particularly because the communication that's going out that's so content heavy and very dense with multi-step directions um, is being sent out last minute, unfortunately. Uh, there, you know, it, it happens, you know, things fall through the cracks. We get delayed from time to time. Again, Jen and I come from higher ed. We know there's not enough hours in the day to get everything done that you need to get done. You're wearing multiple hats. So a lot of times communication will come from a place of being very reactive. You're, you're not proactive in your communication. So you're sending information out last minute that again is very content heavy or dense and really should, should have been better suited for an email. Um, and that's something that during, you know, our, our evaluation process with, with our partner institutions, you know, we have this working relationship that we have. We'll go in and say like, this is, you know, a great communication touch point. Here's some feedback on if you need to send this out again, um, what we would recommend paring it down and then maybe having uh, an additional touch point in your comm flow, either whether that is an email or a social media post, uh, a post within like a student portal or something, an alert that might pop up, have that, like Jen mentioned, in tandem with your other communications. Yeah. And make sure you're tailoring your communications for the platform, right? Like an email should look different than a text message. Um, And I know that that's one thing that Lena and I talk to clients about, um, you know, all the time as well, our partner institutions is, you know, a text message should be a personalized one-on-one touch point, right? It should be a way to engage in conversation with somebody 
um, and let them know that you're actually a human on the other end um, and you're actually there um, and building a relationship. And so I know it's so easy, especially because we know it goes to somebody's phone. We're used to those, you know, app alerts that come up that are just base alerts that are popping. And it's, you know, it's easy to write a text message as just like an alertist or alert kind of pop up. Um, but again, take that moment to take a step back and, and think of texting as a way um, to build and gain a relationship, a one-on-one easy touch point conversation, um, you know, that can again, touch back, hey, did you see that, you know, that we posted this on Instagram? Or did you see that we, we put this in the student portal page? Like, you know, I know that this was an area that you had with concerns with last year, just wanted to touch base and see how you were doing with that. And again, um, you know, you have limited characters for a text message, but again, you can still use those characters to get that initial outreach across um, to have them know that it's an actual human on the other end sending them that message. We've been speaking in a very theoretical way at first, and I'd love to hear, are there examples or, or best texts that you've seen for engaging uh, students very early in the new mm -hmm. semester? Oh, yes. <laughs> I think uh, the welcome text message is if you're not doing it, you're certainly missing out. It doesn't matter what department or division you're kind of working with. So whether I want to put on my admissions hat and like introduce myself, <laughs> myself as your, you know, designated admissions counselor or recruiter, um, or if I want to, you know, take a step back and, and put on my student retention hat and, and, you know, be your point person for academic support and for advising, the welcome text message really sets the stage um, to not only develop that personalized working relationship with students, it opens the door for them to advocate for themselves throughout the entire process with you. So it doesn't matter if you're working them through an enrollment funnel. It doesn't matter if you're working with them to help them persist to graduation. You want to make sure that your office and you're, again, you're working as an extension of your office is there to offer that support and that guidance so that you can help these students learn the skills to self-advocate, to raise their hands and say, I have questions, now I know who I can direct those to. Now I know where I can turn to when I need that additional support. So that is by far the best text message that you can ever send. If you, know, if you send one text message in your life, <laughs> make sure it is a, a welcome introductory text message for yourself, for your office, advertising how you're going to essentially be assisting those students throughout their time with you. Yeah, and I know during COVID, um, again, I was in an institution and I was actually using Mongoose, using Cadence um, during my time or during COVID. But one thing that I saw a lot of institutions do that we did as well and worked really well was those wellness check-ins. Um, but the way that we kind of organized who was touch pointing to what students was like, it was kind of more like a mass um, you know, outreach to people in certain departments, certain divisions, just saying, hey, do you have key relationships with students? Do you want to send them a text message to just check in with them? Like, let's get you hooked up into the product so you can start sending them some messages and you know, leveraging your relationship with these students to let them know that, yes, you're here to for the end goal is to get a degree um, to then go on and get a job, but we actually do care about you as a person as well. So, you know, let's, let's reach out, see how you're doing. And again, Lena and I talked to clients about this too. Like, you know, um, I'm sure that you have a bucket of students in your mind that are, you know, they're the ones that always come in with questions or concerns, or when it's a certain point of the year, they're always the one that you're doing follow-up or communication with. 
be proactive and reach out to them before it becomes an issue for them. Um, you know, and have that, Hey, these are, these are the handful that always walk in, you know, a week before class registration is done. Maybe when class registration opens, I'm going to send them a pointed email, a pointed text to say, Hey, class registration's open. I knew you struggled last semester. When can we sit down and, and schedule a time to meet so we can make sure you're prepared this year? Yeah, that is so powerful. And I, I really wish that more institutions kind of kept with those COVID kind of wellness checks, even after we left that sort of hybrid or 100% online type of environment. Once, once we got out of quarantine, I wish that was the thing. That's the only thing that I wish stayed um, within quarantine was, was the, the welcome text, or I'm sorry, the uh, wellness checks, because I really find that more institutions that I talked to who incorporated some sort of version of that um, really went back to sort of pre-COVID protocol and you're really missing out on an opportunity to again, consistently leverage that personal relationship with students and let them know that there's people at the institution that care again, not just that they're paying their bills on time, not that they're just meeting those registration deadlines or those housing deadlines, but that you care about their, their well-being, their, their mental health, their sense of belonging on campus. And we know that students who feel that they have a sense of belonging on campus are going to be more successful. They're going to retain, they're going to be happy, they're going to persist to graduation, and they're going to look back fondly on their experience and become very involved alumni, very generous donors. So it really is setting the stage very early. You may not think, think that, but in the life cycle of that student, that all matters to set the stage for them to be, to be successful and to be happy as, you know, as future friends of your organization. I love that. Now, um, is Valparaiso in our audience? I don't know if they are. If you are, please, um, you know, mention it in chat. But um, there's an example I saw from them a while ago, um, and I loved it. So I wanted to share it if, if people don't mind. Um, the first week of classes, I believe they send out a text um, saying, hi, first name, this is academic advisor from Valparaiso. I just want to check in, you know, how if using a GIF or an emoji, how was your first week of classes? So um, if you're looking for very tangible examples that you can use today, um, I always thought that was a great example. I know they don't mind me. Um, you know, the beacons don't mind me uh, spreading mm -hmm. the word about that. Um, and again, I see questions coming into chat. We'll get to those mm -hmm. after this next question for our guests. So thanks for doing that. And as a reminder, this uh, episode is brought to you by uh, Mongoose, the makers of Cadence Higher Ed's premier engagement platform. So um, this next question, what do you find are the initial pressure points um, for students at institutions and um, how can you identify them? And I think you've touched on a little bit of that before, but if you could reiterate some of that. Yeah, yeah I, I have some pretty strong feelings <laughs> about this, as yeah, especially as, as a first-gen student going through the process myself. I, even though it was quite some time uh, long ago, I still remember it uh, pretty fondly. But in working with, you know, my institutions uh, that are texting within this, the financial aid or bursar business office space, we know that paying for college tends to be a huge. Uh, point of concern uh, for every single student um, that walks through the doors. How, how are they going to be able to afford their education? And I think that there's so much invested 
in financial literacy for specifically targeting those traditional student tracks. So those, those high school juniors and seniors and their parents or guardians who, you know, are, are signing up for those webinars or coming to any in-person sessions that you, you might be offering. And a lot of time I know as a former admissions counselor was spent um, helping students with financial aid, directing them to, to the right uh, financial aid resources, scholarship resources. Uh, so I really think that that when that drops off sort of after the student enrolls, that's a huge missed opportunity specifically for helping those students retain. We know that, you know, students who are going through the process, even again, if they went through with, you know, no issues the very first time they filled out the, their first FAFSA. That doesn't mean that they're going to not encounter that as, as a junior or, you know, as a senior, that they're not going to end up in, in financial aid verification or end up, you know, with their aid being recalculated to the point now that they have a balance. So if you're not uh, continuously taking steps to communicate those opportunities for assistance there, um, it's really going to, you know, unfortunately have a, a negative impact on that student. So the, the more clear and concise you can be with helping them through what I think is probably the trickiest um, point in, in the process, I think is, is most beneficial. Yeah, you know, from my, from my perspective, things that I always think about um, in my time in, in student affairs is that students they don't know processes, procedures right away. Um, like I had mentioned before, they don't know what they don't know. And so just treat every single person that walks in like they don't know the process. You know, what's it to hurt to say, you know, hey, we, you want a room change? That's perfect. We have a room change process. You know, let me walk you through that process or have you used it before? Great. Now, here you go. Here's the paperwork. Go for it. Um, you know, again, they are, they're not going to know the procedures. They're not going to know the acronyms. Um, you know, maybe they were at a previous institution, but every institution operates different. Every department operates a little bit different. Everybody's got their own functions. And so again, just being proactive um, in that approach and just going forthright with all that information right up front um, and don't make assumptions about people. Um, you may not know why they're asking for these different, you know, processes, procedures, that information. Um, every student's pressure points are going to probably be different, right? Um, you know, so just kind of open, just walk in openly and, you know, asking those follow-up questions like, how, you know, did this help you? Are you, do you still have questions about this? Is this unclear? Is there, can I, you know, do you need me to reiterate that in a different format? Um when I worked in higher ed, uh, there was one family member. Um, it didn't matter what was going out from the institution, but the same family would always call me um, because, you know, for accessibility purposes, you know, they had a screen reader and the information that was being pushed out sometimes just didn't work with their screen reader. And so they went to me because they had that personal relationship and they knew that I would help get them to the right and correct person, um, you know, in whatever other office or area. And I'd be able to say, you know, this is the information that it was based around, you know, what, do you need more information about financial aid? Great. Let me link you up with this individual over in that office. They're phenomenal. They're going to help you along this process as well. Um, and again, we don't know, don't make assumptions about folks. You know, yes, you may know, you know, what the traditional pieces are for your institution, the traditional pop, you know, problems and potholes that pop up on your institution. Um, but again, don't make assumptions that it's, you know, the same thing every single time for somebody, just ask those traditional, you know, counseling skill questions. 
Fantastic. And to elaborate on the points that uh, Jen and Lena have made, um, there was a there's a trend a few years ago of taking various student service offices, academic advising, career center, bursar, et cetera, and putting them in, in centralized units. Um, and I don't think that's gone away. And what I found very interesting is I'm starting to see a, a, a tick up in institutions hiring people for those offices that specifically answer customer service questions. And they say, you know, they might be an expert on parking and residence life and deposits and, and it's all one person, which is uh, a lot of pressure probably on that person, but um, it's fantastic that you can just go to one source at an institution as opposed to being uh, decentralized. So keep an eye on that if you're in a position where um, you could leverage that at your institution. I am seeing a slew of questions in chat, which I love. Um, so Lexi, uh, do you mind uh, you know, reviewing some of those questions with us? Yeah, our first question comes from Catherine asking, are mass texts okay? If so, what are some tips for personalizing those mass texts? Love it. What, uh, what do you think, Lena and Jen? Yeah, I think I think the the beauty of text messaging is that you can certainly send out communication on mass that is very much still personalized and still very much one to one. So when you're thinking about obviously your your mass communication, I think a lot of people in their heads think about that group text message, you know, maybe that you're all on with your your friends, you know, trying to decide where you're going to go to uh, brunch on Sunday and you're seeing everybody's type replies that are coming in and it's a lot to manage. Um, you know, the, the beauty with mass communication, you know, the, the way that we do it is that it, it helps you obviously from a back end perspective to be able to get information that you need out to a larger sum of people, obviously, in, in, a, in a very intentional and very effective way. The easiest way to personalize that is to use use the student's first name in, in their text messaging that that should be done in every single communication really that you're sending out whether you are sending out these kind of one-off text messages or more more formalized on mass sort of campaigns i think very intentional messaging is going to be very uh, very impactful to students. So if you find that you're sending the same information to the same sets of students over and over and over again, repeating yourself over and over again, that's not an effective sort of en masse type of, of outreach. I think very switching up your messaging, obviously using their first name, identifying yourself in, in the text message as well too, so that they have a point person that they can go to um, when they have those follow-up questions or concerns is, is going to be very effective. And don't be afraid to insert questions or prompts to help those students engage back with you. I think there's there's sometimes, especially coming from admissions, anyone who's watching who is, is in admissions, I think sometimes we're afraid to ask very direct questions because we don't want to get broken up with. Um, you know, it's it's not you, it's me. You know, so we we don't want that. And I think you miss out on an opportunity of helping helping the students further, but also saving yourself and your office mates and your teammates excess time. If you're asking the right questions to be able to recategorize your follow-up, give proper next step information, direct them to perhaps another professional within another office, you know, who can better assist them with, with whatever next step they need to take or whatever clarification they might need. So all of that can be, can be done on mass and in a very easy and seamless way. Yeah. And again, I, you know, we know our product in and out. 
um, Lena and I. And you know, we talk a lot about segmenting or funneling students into certain certain groups. Um, and again, it can still be personalized, but you know, these 20 students all did not complete their housing form, or these 50 students did not complete their emergency contact information, and you need to get a hold of them, you need them to fill it out ASAP. It, again, it looks like a mass message, it's still sending out as a mass message, but to them, it's still a personalized outreach, because you're going to say, hey, I saw that you haven't completed this yet. What, you know, are you, do you have any trouble spots with that? You know, feel free to give me a call back at this phone number if, if you need any more help or assistance. Can, and again, following up with that action item or that question um, to make sure that they get it done of, you know, like, you know, do you think you can get this done by today or tomorrow? Like, let me know. That'd be great. Um, you know, again, it, to you, it may feel like a mass message, but because it's going to them one-to-one, they're going to feel like it's a personalized message to them because you're, it's not an alertist. It's not a, Hey, this is a mass message for every single person on campus. You're targeting them for the specific thing that you need from them. They don't know that 50 other students also are in the same bucket as them, but. Yeah. I say that all the time. They have no idea that they're not, they're getting the same message as, you know, 999 of their other nearest and dearest <laughs> friends in the process. It's all, it's all very much one-to-one and that matters so much. It really does when you're leveraging that relationship. I, and there uh, were times like when I was texting students that they would say like, oh, you're just a bot or something like that. And I would reply back with them, like a picture of me sitting in my office. Yes. And then like later that day, they would stop by and be like, oh my God, Miss Jen, I'm so sorry I said that to you. Like, please, I apologize. I'm like, no, there's actually a person on the other end that's messaging you. So you can leverage that too. <laughs> yes, you have to remember, uh, you know, we're going to talk about alumni in a second, but um, yeah, we are educators, right? Uh, even if we're not teaching philosophy 101, we're still, you know, teaching students. So, um, you know, helping them, uh, realign them, uh, helping them interact with people better is certainly a part of our job. Um, I noticed there are some folks who are advancement um, folks on here, and I, uh, I'm sorry if it was Jenna, uh, Jen or Lena, uh, mentioned that uh, recipients don't always know that they're uh, the multiple recipients. I would give you a caveat because I'm a buzzkill that uh, alumni do talk. Um, so I will say that that is not as true in annual giving, uh, particularly with Giving Tuesday, they will screenshot each other and say, hey, did you get this text from the school? With that said, we have seen it has no uh, impact on giving or participation. Um, also want to call out, uh, Joel, thank you for your comment on using uh, Canva and using graphics. Um, highly endorse that. I would completely agree with that. I would say that traditionally, once you've built a relationship with students, you can, uh, you can get cute and you can put, you know, the Homer Simpson walking back into, you know, the Bush gif, or you can do the, the Robert Downey Jr. eye roll. Uh, but until you do that, uh, build that relationship, I find that informational images are really helpful, right? This is where you go on the website. This is what this form looks like. This is how you go to this building. Here's a campus map, those sorts of things. So uh, great point, Joel. Thanks for bringing that up. Uh, Lexi, I, I know we have some more questions come in. So uh, yeah, if you don't mind. Yeah. Angelique wants to know, what does a welcome text sound like? Well, I think a welcome text message needs to very much encapsulate what your office is about. And it is a place for you to be able to showcase your personality. So of course, it very much needs to be on brand with your institution, but it's really an opportunity for you to, to be able to have fun. So it's, it's setting 
it's setting the stage for what the students can anticipate. So again, using your name and that high student's first name, obviously to personalize it, but, but my name is so-and-so. I work for the Mongoose University Admissions Office. Thank you so much for you know, your application or your interest. I'm gonna be working with you you know, throughout this period, or we're going to be working with you throughout this period. So save our number and reach out if you have questions or concerns. It's also a good opportunity to remind students that if they don't want to be enrolled into text communication, that they can self-remove themselves so that they can manage their own communication preferences. So I usually will encourage our partner institutions to throw in a line that says, and if you, you know, prefer to be emailed, let me know. If you don't want to receive my text messages, just let us know or, you know, reply stop to, you know, to be removed. So it really kind of sets the tone and the expectations um, for what your working relationship is going to look like. And you obviously want to make sure that, again, it's showcasing your personality so that students are comfortable and confident self-advocating for themselves and coming to you with those questions or concerns. That it is a place where it's not going to be, as Jen mentioned, uh, just a bot, you know, spitting, you know, information out when you, you know, reply back a certain way that it is a real life person who's who's ready to engage with you. Um, they're going to feel more comfortable and confident coming to you when they have questions, concerns. And again, that, that self-advocacy piece is, is key. And we've seen institutions make like, you know, again, using Canva and making like little business cards that go in with that first message, putting their picture on that first message. Um, again, I've worked at institutions where our marketing team was phenomenal and they would create us custom GIFs um, or GIFs, if you will, um, with our mascot, like cartoons of our mascot and students ate that up and loved it. And so including that kind of stuff in a first message, again, that lets them know that it's a real person on the other end, um, you know, how they can get a hold of you. Because again, a text can only have so many character limits. And so let that image kind of take on some of those character pieces. Um, you know, again, like we were saying, the um, business card look, you can add on there, you know, what are your, your Twitter handles, if that's something that you do at your institution, or here's my email address, or here's my direct line, you know, office line number, if you want to give me a call, um, all those things without having to put that in the, the body of the message. Yeah, I work with an institution um, actually out in uh, Colorado who uh, they have an amazing marketing <laughs> division, or maybe, maybe it is one person who's working out of camp. I'm not sure I, where I should give credit to, but they have really taken uh, multimedia messaging and have run with it. And they, they see continuously high engagement responses for, again, more sort of um, relationship building type of text messaging, but also, you know, very action oriented one. So they'll, they'll have images created around applying for scholarships that are very creative and they'll have images created around registration deadlines. So it's, it's really, really phenomenal to see um, people be so creative. And that's really what we need right now is if you're, if you're keep doing the same thing over and over again with your comp flow and expecting, you know, different results, it's, it's not going to work. So leverage that personality, leverage that creativity and see how students respond to it. Very good. We, I know we have more questions in chat, so we will absolutely get to those, but, um, one thought I had listening to you both speak earlier, um, you've talked about process, you've talked about belonging. If you had to break down like a split, how much work should we spend on creating a sense of belonging through our messaging versus how much we should spend on uh, procedural support like deadlines and processes? 
I would say it's important. I guess I would say it's important to make sure that you're covering both. All of the, all of the communication that you're sending out should not be solely procedures and policies. You know, that's going to, that's frankly going to get a lot of students to disengage with you if that's all that you're ever communicating about are those nudges or those you know reminders of this this due date that's happening there should be just as much emphasis uh, i think on the process as there is on making sure that you are doing those check-ins with students and and you know helping them overcome barriers to the process that, that you're having. So instead of, you know, the due date is Friday, hey, we see that you still haven't submitted this type of form. What questions do you have? How can I assist you? Uh, appealing to students in that type of manner is again going to allow them to open up a little bit more and make them in turn self-advocate, as I've mentioned before, but also take the necessary steps to um, reach out at those points in time where maybe they're, they don't have a deadline or due date coming up that needs attention. They're going to be more likely to engage with you on, on those other terms if you're leveraging both, both that sense of belonging and community at the same time of, of all the administrator type of work that needs to be done. And I know from my experience, I always like to think of Every time you are coming up to like a new touch point with a student or a new time in the like time frame in the academic uh, season um, of when you are sending out all of these different communications or these different upcoming processes or procedures, um, take a step back and re-examine that process or procedure. Are you making it a barrier to entry just by having all these different consecutive steps, um, or even just reevaluating? Okay, when we sent this message out in October. Let's go back to our email threads and see how many frequently asked questions we got from that message. Okay, that's clearly the area that we need to, you know, hit more on or make sure we educate more on when we send out this, this information. Um, you know, you're going to know, you know, your institution, you know, the, the frequently asked questions you get from your office. Again, do things always have to be the same every single time? No, try out something new, see if it sticks. And if it doesn't, great, you tried something new. And you, maybe you touch point at a whole bunch of students that you never did before. Um, you know, I, I think thinking it from an, an accessibility piece, you know, what are the barriers that are, are in the way of getting those procedures done? But again, does that then build the relationship or build that belonging piece with those students because you're knocking down those barriers or those extra steps? Um, and trying to help them really get, you know, what, what it is that they need. That's fantastic. And Jen, in the same way, what would you say are, are like uh, guardrails, um, you know, for determining the right amount of, of handholding, um, you know, versus a, a, the expectation that students will sort of uh, explore these, these deadlines and details on their own? Oh, that's a good one. I think it goes back to, you know, you know what your frequently asked questions are for your office. Let those be, let those be your updated guardrails, right? Or where are, why are students always coming in? Or, you know, what are this, looking at the students that don't come in or don't ask questions and what are they frequently missing? Or what are the students you're frequently reaching out to because they haven't followed through on those different steps and re-examining the process from those areas? Um, you know, because again, those are probably the students that need the most help, right? Um, 
trying to think of other things. That was a really good question. I think, because I'm a big over communicator. <laughs> Any of my clients who are on the call know I, I am not one who uh, doesn't reach out. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very big in making sure that uh, I'm making myself available and, and again, continuously reaching out for, for those check-ins. So I do think there is a fine line between over-communicating and overwhelming students with information. So kind of going back to, um, you know, what, what Jen had talked about earlier is really examining the processes and where those students are, are falling off. You know, you know, those sticking points for, for those students where they may fall off in the process with you. So how can you be as proactive as you can to, to avoid that? So re-examining that and making sure that, that the communication that you're sending out is planned out in advance to target that and that the, the follow-up to that is also planned out. Um, you can, again, blast those text messages or blast those emails, you know, all day long. But if you don't have a consistently sound follow-up strategy, a, a recheck-in strategy with those folks, you're going, you're going to lose them. Um, and I think asking the students well yeah. is, you know, surveying them is, is going to be going to be very beneficial. I, I work with a phenomenal institution out of, out of the state of Alabama who has really, in, in, in the partnership that I've had with them over three years now, has continually, continuously and consistently seen remarkable uh, returns from, from their communication. And I think a lot of that is due to the fact that they are frequently serving students throughout the process. Um, through use of emojis, actually, um, to be able to have uh, not only consistent engagement with them, but to then also elicit where those sticking points in the process are with them so that they can have very strategic follow-up and very intentional follow-up. Again, using, you know, to use a, a term from our product here, segmentation, very refined and intentional segmentation so that the right message is meeting the right student. The worst thing that you can do is send a text message out to a, bu a bunch of students and then they get text messages back saying, I already knew that. Take me off your list. The, you know, this isn't relevant to me. This isn't, you know, speaking to me right now. I don't want to get these types of communications. So if you're able to, again, to kind of leverage that planning piece with that personalization piece, it's, it's going to help. Yeah. Lena, and even like thinking back to even my grad, my grad degree, like using counseling skills, the reflective, you know, active listening skills, reflection, and just saying, you know, I want to you know, tweaking your messages to being more authentic in that approach and not just being alertist, like, Hey, here's the due date, but just saying like, Hey, we know that you traditionally have struggled in this, or we know you're always late on this. We just sent the information. How can I help you? Or how can I assist you and put the ball back in their court so that you know how much um, they want you, you know, involved in that process. And if there is anything you can do to help or assist. It's such a fine tweak of the language. Like, let me know if you have questions versus what questions do you have for me? Or, you know, how, like yep. what questions can I answer for you? That's going to elicit two different responses, whether you're sending yep. them via text message, whether you're, you know, you're online chatting with someone on that, whether you're emailing them, that's going to open the door. We know how much, you know, the, this generation is in tune to relationship building and that, that authenticity. So if, if you are asking those, those right questions and using those skills and just doing little tweaks of language, it's going to, it's going to help tremendously with getting what you need out of them as well. 
That's fantastic. Well, we've had a slew of uh, questions again. Sorry, I use that word a lot. Um, in particular, I loved Morgan's. Lexi, do you mind covering that for us? Yeah, Morgan asks, how can you leverage Cadence texts when faculty have more than one phone number? For example, their academic advisors have a personal Zoom phone number and a Cadence text number. Yay for being a Cadence user. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I know one fun thing. Um, I was recently onboarding an institution. And again, this is knowing our product and the way that our product works. Um, but they actually changed their business cards to using just their Cadence text number as their phone call number and their text number on their business card. Because the way that our product works is if the number that you're texting out to them, if you call it back, you can have it bounce to whatever office line. Um, I think it's important to remember that this, you know, again, traditional, even though it's not traditional students in college anymore, but this traditional college age student that's coming in. They aren't like myself and Lena or Mike, where back in the day we memorized phone numbers and area codes mattered and, and things like that. They don't, they save all those phone numbers to their phone as long as they know who the individual and the person is that's texting them back and forth and they know it's an actual individual texting them back. They're going to save that number in there, however, the way to communicate. So I think that's also key to remember, um, you know, when texting that for them at least students, it doesn't, as long as it's similar area code, the same area code as the institution, they're more likely to engage with it if they know it's a real human being on the other end. And they're going to be more likely to, to text versus call. So I, when I was working in higher ed, I never really advertised my, my office line because I had very infrequent <laughs> phone calls from students. It was, it was purely text messages and it was calls to my work cell, which was linked with my Cadence account because I'm a former Cadence user. So again, I, I think um, it's important to, however you're advertising that um, information to, to make it readily available through your email signatures, your business cards on your website. You know, text me here is something that I love to see on, um, on our partner's uh, email signatures because that just, again, is going to be very heavily utilized by, by students in their time with you. Fantastic. Lexi, did we have another question come in? I think it was about opt-ins in particular. Yes, we actually have two more as of right now. So our first one's from Lisa, also a Cadence user, is looking for some advice. They advertised an opt-in keyword and they have responses from this, but then they only get the opt-ins phone numbers. So is there suggestions for resolving this and getting the name, last name, and those types of details filled in from that? If we can just clarify that. So an a number was advertised to collect consent to text, but there, those, that particular person has not been previously communicated with the institution. Correct. So yeah, that can certainly be something that your client success lead can work with you on because there's obviously different data strategies that we have uh, around you know importing students uh, or contacts again just to use some of our nomenclature but importing that information into the system um, ahead of time but then also having a, a pretty intentional 
um, follow up. So there's an, an institution that I worked uh, work with out of the state of uh, Michigan, actually, that is communicating uh, text in information to like an, uh, an information center. So uh, there's different strategies. I'm sure that your client successfully can advise on um, how to either follow up with that person. So having some templated responses, again, that are very personalized and branded to your office and your institution so that you're hitting on all of those follow-up questions to get that information that you're missing. Or obviously on the other end of that, some additional data um, recommendations that, that we would have to um, make sure that those individuals are being pushed in, into the system. It all will have to do, of course, with how you're housing your information. So we can certainly have you um, communicate with your client success lead um, about that a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd love to follow up offline too, because there might be intricacies at your institution. We can give you really um, exacting advice on uh, handling your situation at your school. Yeah. And we all know, you know, the best information is clean information, clean data. Um, so again, making sure that when you are getting this information, it's being tracked appropriately, whether it's in cadence or in your CRM or SIS, <laughs> you know, just making sure that you're also doing that follow-up and, and updating and tracking too, because we know in higher ed, sometimes that falls to the wayside. All right, I think we had one more question, Lexi, come in. Yes, this question's from Olivia with all of the talk of Canva. Um, they're just looking to clarify how we're using Canva to implement it through text. Her example was using it to create images to attach to text, question mark. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you can send the MMS messaging um, with an image and then attaching some different text to the bottom of it as well. Um, and so again, I think, you know, everybody uses it a little bit different. Um, for Canva, but some folks will create like a great graphic that has text included in it, or sometimes it's just an image of just, you know, their institution or their office or themselves as a person. Um, I think kind of crafting it to what, what that message needs and, and pushing it out that way, because Canva can help you do multiple things um, and, you know, craft different, different kinds of images and GIFs and things like that. So I would advise um, Olivia, is it? Um, if you're going to, you know, be dipping your toe in that pond a little bit, I, I would strongly encourage that you create, um, a sort of testing group for that. So I would test with fellow staff members and actually send any images that you might be creating off of Canva practice, sending that to your own personal cell phones so that you can experience it as though you're experiencing it as a student or alumni re receiving that. A lot of our advancement partners uh, are big MMS users, especially around institutional giving days, um, their uh, Giving Tuesday initiative. So I, I'm always sort of, you know, pounding the drum, if you, will, <laughs> if you will, when it comes to testing all of that out first, because it is a good way for you to experience it. Um, just as though your, your contacts are receiving that. You can see what it looks like on your phone. You know, is it impactful? Does it come through distorted? Does it not work at all for some odd reason? You want to work <laughs> all of those yeah. kinks out before you're, you know, you're sending it out um, to, to the masses. So always practice on yourself. It's, and it's a lot of fun too, um, to, to get other staff members involved. I used to, to love, we do it to each other here. <laughs> It, you know, as, as a teammate. So it's, it's fun to, to be able to, to sort of beta test those. A follow-up I had is we've used the term segmentation quite a bit today. 
how much of our effort should be on creating hyper segmented messaging versus being more broad? And is there ways to kind of figure out the, uh, you know, the right parameters for that? I would say don't um, segment yourself to death. So don't make so many different uh, funnels or so many different sects of students that you're reaching out to specific um, that it's going to get too too muddy, too dirty, because we want to make sure it's clean data so you can get those clean responses back. Um, but again, look for those general um, common threads of frequently asked questions that come into your office and just utilize that as a starting point. See how those are being, you know, how are those are being received and continue to tweak as you have those touch points with students. I think that's an excellent point. And whatever you are tracking or measuring outside of your communication system, so whatever communication system you, you might be leveraging, there's obviously information that you're tracking outside of that. So however that is organized, however that is implemented, should really be in alignment with, with your communication. So if, you, if there's information that you're not tracking on your students, on your alumni, it's going to be very, very hard to obviously group individuals based off of that if it doesn't exist. So you really want to think about your communication and, and how you're targeting um, your outreach based on the data that you have. And some offices, again, have very up-to-date information, very clean information, you know, that is, is routinely modified and, and refreshed. And then other, you know, offices or institutions that might be a pain point. So if you know that that's a pain point for your office, you're going to need to shift your communication model based on the information that you have. And if there are these holes or these gaps that you're finding, then you know that that's going to be you know, uh, a larger sort of systemic um, issue or, you know, talking point that will, will need to be addressed outside of your communication flow. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, Lexi, if you don't mind, we had a, a few questions specifically about Canva from um, Vera, and I'm going to take this one. Um, Vera had asked, um, is there something very specific with Canva and Mongoose? So we're going back and forth yeah. about design. So um, Vera, for using uh, what we call MMS, Multimedia Messaging Service, the images you're sending can be a PNG file, uh, GIF, I've used the hard G, and, uh, or, a, um, or JPEG. And they have to be less than five megabytes. So if you stay within those uh, parameters in terms of file size and file type, um, you can send that image. And in the same way, you can get that image back too um, from students. So you might have students who respond or respond back with gifts um, as well. So don't be shocked about that. And we can give you some um, some coaching and training on, like I said, the types of images to send. Some examples we've seen from other institutions as well. So thanks for um, thanks for following up. So we've covered the questions we had planned today. Um, I didn't see any others in the uh, chat. Dave, thank you. Great point. Um, it is a uh, it's a great graphic tool. Um, outside of uh, cadence, outside of texting. But yeah, if you have any questions, um, you know, please put those in. You can obviously follow up with us afterwards, which we'll leave all of our information there. But um, for Lena and Jen, any uh, takeaways um, that you'd want to leave with us today? Yeah, I know something that I wanted to touch upon that I just, I didn't get to um, in the way that we were asking questions today um, is just make sure you check your privilege. Um, when you're sending out these messages too, um, you know, again, you don't know every student situation or individual situation. And again, so just tread lightly that, you know, treat them as a first gen student or first time, first time enrolled student at your institution and just give out all of the information and ask those 
um, you know, com um, counseling style questions back just to make sure that you're actually getting the information you need and that the student is, is comfortable and you're building that relationship. Um, you know, if you can be as proactive as, as possible. Um, and again, you know, your trends for your office or your institution, you know, those frequently asked questions, you know, those frequent flyers of students that come in your office, always with the same things, use utilize that as your first stepping stone um, and make things personalized. Um, you know, again, our product makes it easy to make things personalized with those merged fields. Um, you technically you pay for it, so utilize those functions to your to your advantage. It's gonna it's gonna work out tenfold for you. Um, and just make sure everything looks polished and clean, and it's the inform the information you're pushing out is exactly what that student needs. Absolutely. Um, she hit she hit the nail on the head with all of those. What what I feel like I can add to that is. You know, now is a very, I think, exciting time in higher ed. Yes, we we have a lot of challenges, you know, within the field, but, you know, through that is a great way to be able to kind of reinvent your processes, reinvent the image or the perceived image of your office. So I, I'm a big sort of shoot for the stars, lasso the moon type when it comes to <laughs> devising my, uh, my partnerships here in that you have to be willing to assess your current conflow, what's working, what's frankly not working, and how you can leverage your creativity and your personality to, again, really meet students where, where they're at. Use all of the information, essentially, that they're telling you or that they're not telling you uh, to be able to, again, reinvent that, uh, those touch points. Try, try new models if you're not texting students, you know, text them for a specific uh, point in the process. If, if you find that, you know, you know, the communication is, is muddy or is not clear, take a step back and reevaluate it and reassess it. So it, it is a really, really exciting time to, um, to reinvent uh, your comm flows. So that's going to help you all day long uh, in overcoming a lot of these barriers. Fantastic. Well, Lena and Jen, thank you again for joining. Um, for the folks who want to follow up with you, yeah, I, I see thumbs up and head nodding. Love it. Um, <laughs> for Jen, what's the best way for folks to get in touch with you if they have follow-up questions? Sure. So you can always email me here at Mongoose, Jen, uh, two N's, always two N's for Jen, um, at mongooseresearch.com. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. Love to connect with you all there. Um, and I use Twitter every once in a while. So feel free to follow me on Twitter. It's at Jen Rommel. Um, and that's my maiden name. So. Fantastic. Lena, how can folks get a hold of you? So you can email me here, Lena, L-E-N-A at mongooseresearch.com, or you can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Lena Militello. I am admittedly not the most uh, active LinkedIn person. That is my new year's resolution is to be more active on my LinkedIn. So I would love for the folks uh, to find me so that I can make some connections here today. Um, I do not have a Twitter, so email and, and LinkedIn is probably the, the best way to go. I can't be confined to only 160 characters. My fabulous, this is just too much for that. So just, um, just 305 characters. Oh, so three. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, that was a good cadence joke for folks who aren't in the know. Uh, so thank you again both for joining. Uh, very much appreciate it. Our next episode, you heard it here first. Um, you'll probably see something in, oh, I don't know. 
few days, few hours maybe, uh, but we conducted some research with uh, higher ed dive. So on the next episode, we will talk about that research. So our next episode is how digital transformation is impacting higher education. So we have uh, from our product team, our AVP of product, Amy Kilpatrick joining, and then from the University of Akron, Cassie Cunningham. So it'll be a great episode just like today. Uh, look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks. And as I mentioned, a uh, few episodes away from the brand new FYI recording space. I believe Greg, um, he's, again, he's not a plant. Um, he should be back, I think, for the next episode as well. So uh, thank you again so much for joining. We look forward to seeing you same time, same place in two weeks. Thanks so much, everyone.